two things, okay? And I'll, I'll start, um, just so maybe you guys have something to work off on. Um, and I'd say my two would be I wish I spent way more time in prayer than I, than I do. Um, and then the second one would be I, I wish I spent way more time meditating on Scripture. Um, and so those would be my two things, and I know they'd be probably relatively common, but i just like to go around and see if what you guys, what two things you wish you did more of or did better of. Ben? Prayer and memorizing scripture. Yeah, yeah. I'd say memorizing scripture and sharing the gospel to people. Evangelizing, yeah. 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 Who else? Listen more, talk less. Is that a problem of yours? Talking too much? Or? No. No, okay, I didn't, I didn't know. It's nice to not do as much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I understand. Yeah. 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 Danger for nothing. What's that? Yeah. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Who else? Ashley? Mine's pretty much what everybody else has said. Spending time in the Word consistently met and meditating on it and memorizing scripture. Yeah. That's really nice. Right. Clint, I'm going to pick on you. Um, my meditating through writing. Because when I write, my thoughts are clear, and, but it takes time. Yeah. To think clearly, you have to. It takes time. <laughs> so. so, this is just kind of a simple question, maybe. Um, so, why do we wish we did more of this stuff? know him more. Um, 
because it's only going to help us. It's only going to keep us calm and patient and not anxious and um, build up within us the fruits of the Spirit. And, um, and only good can come from it. If all good comes from God and knowing Him more, only good can come from God more. So, so we're going to be looking at a little bit of that stuff tonight. Um, the chapter title that John Stott gives us is A Life of Prayer. Um, and he writes here, so often, as we, so often we as individuals and we the church forget the supply line of our life. In fact, we are guilty of attempting to provide the power to live this Christian life from within ourselves. Not so with Paul. Paul's life and ministry were saturated in prayer. In fact, all of Ephesians 1 is prayer. Paul is addressing God while thinking about the Ephesians. We have already looked at the great benediction in which he blesses God for having blessed us in Christ. Now we will consider the intercession that Paul makes for the Ephesians. It is vital that we not only maintain a high level of prayer in order to enjoy a healthy Christian life, but that we also preserve a balance of praise and prayer as Paul models. So, would somebody like to read Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23? For this reason, I had I too have heard the faith. <clears throat> For this reason, I too have heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. Do not cease giving thanks to for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation, revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the workings, the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in all heavenly Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills all in all. So how would you describe the tone of what Derek just read? Um, of how Paul's writing here, like, what is the tone? What when he's describing um, what God has done? What is his tone? grasping at all the bigness of God. You know, he's like saying um, immeasurable greatness of his power, um, his great might that, that he worked in Christ, and far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. It's, it's big. I mean, and that's what he's trying to convey to these churches is the bigness of God within their faith, that they would, obviously they were probably struggling with something of that. When we struggle in weakness, a lot of times it's because we're questioning God's Goodness, questioning God's bigness, questioning God's sovereignty, um, and and so yeah, this tone is 
It's the bigness of God. That's, I guess that's what I wrote down. You know, the admiration. Father of glory, spirit of wisdom, and um, hearts enlightened. So what motivates Paul to pray for the Ephesians? Clint, I'm going to ask you this question, and I have a purpose behind it. So, sorry, I'm again, putting you on the spot. But what motivates Paul to pray for the Ephesians? It's, so it's right after he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So then he goes on a little rampart there. Um, that they would have the spirit of wisdom. He's praying for them that they would learn and, and grow in their knowledge of, of who God is. Right. What else? Do, do I have to go to the end of the passage to see? No, you just keep going because you said spirit of wisdom. What comes next? Uh, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened. Yep. Yep. Um, to see the hope. Yep. Of that and the glorious riches. Right. Measurable greatness. Um, and, and, and that's, yeah, that basically wraps it up there. So. So, so he's praying this. Who started the, these churches? Paul. Yeah, it was his one of his first original missionary trips. Okay, he started these, and so and now he's writing back to them to encourage them, and so he's getting to witness the fruit of his labor here, because he says, um, "I've read at the beginning because I have heard of your faith in Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints." I do not cease to give thanks for you. So he's, he's seen his, the fruit of his labor. And so the reason why I wanted you to read that, Clint, is because I think as a pastor, you know, this is your desire of your congregation, that um, they may have the spirit of wisdom and a revelation the knowledge of God. So they may grow in their knowledge of God, that this would be, uh, the knowledge of God would be revealed to them, and that their eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, that they may know to a greater degree and grasp um, the hope that is of which you have been called to the riches of his glorious inheritance. And so I would think any elder and pastor that that is their desire of their congregation. Right? I pray it often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? That, you know, for you see marriages, you know, like if we want to put this in like more of a easier context to understand that we we'd see broken marriages come together, um, that we'd see broken lives um, all of a sudden being built and have a good foundation in Christ. Um, people that had gone through addictions are now um, Christ is saving them out of their them, and they're um, able to hang on to jobs and honestly be a, a decent part of society, you know, and, and, and to see all these things happening and see people come to Christ, you know, that's, that's what we desire in any church. So do you think the Apostle John will be able to see more fruit when he can't take over as the Paul? Because uh, he, yeah. he also sent letters. Right. And traveled to. Right. I'm sure he... Like, it, it, you know, kind of one of those things is that you keep building upon what the other person had, had been doing and you keep stretching them further and further and further and pushing them more towards Christ because we're never going to get to the end of discovering all that there is of Christ. 
so um, and pushing out our wickedness as much as possible you know we're until that day when we get to go home you know it'll be a constant battle and yeah you live long enough john got to see the schisms in the church too yeah same with paul i mean we both did just sad he had to beat out a lot of (laughs) a lot of false teaching and yeah yeah Yeah. which was good because that's that's repeated over and over and over so we did have a good template to follow exactly And, and also knowing that it's not just us that have these problems. It's, it's always been there. And so we're not, we're not just weird right now. I mean, everything keeps repeating itself. So, yeah, thank goodness we have a template. So. All right, let me read something from John Stott here. So, despite his unceasing gratitude toward, toward God for the Ephesians, Paul still is not satisfied with them. So what is his request? It, it is not that they may receive a second blessing, but rather that they may appreciate to the fullest possible extent the implications of the blessings they had already received. So the essence of his prayer for them is that they may know. We must not overlook this emphasis. Growth and knowledge is indispensable to growth and holiness. The knowledge for which Paul prays adds the knowledge of experience to the knowledge of understanding. More than this, it emphasizes that you may know him better. That is, come to know truths about him. There is no higher knowledge than the knowledge of God himself. Um, I got some just terrible chicken scratch here that I'm trying to read. Um, okay, so, so this idea of knowing him better. And so I, I asked those questions in the beginning, like what, what are some things that you wish you did better in your, in your walk with God? Um, and... A lot of it was prayer, meditation, memorizing scripture, um, and then the, and so and then the question is why is to know God better. Um, so then, I work for Natural Resources Conservation Service. Joe works for Sharps. <laughs> um, but. I have manual after manual after manual that I have to learn, that I have to read. A lot of the stuff I have to memorize, um, but I spend hours and hours every day of going through this. And then hours and hours, after I've worked for them for eight years, I spend hours and hours every day going back through it because I've already forgotten most of the things that I've learned. And so I've got to continually train myself over and over again. Ben, can you relate to that? Or maybe you remember everything. Okay. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I say with my job, I'm required to know this stuff. And so I'm going to pour into it. I'm going to labor through it. Um, but then when it comes to Scripture, I am not as intense into Scripture as I am into the manuals that are much more boring and terrible when I'm at work. Does that make sense? I mean, I, it's just for whatever reason, because I'm called to do this work, and I'm going to make money while doing it, and I need to provide for my family. I'm going to spend a lot of time knowing this stuff, not realizing that what's, fa- in fact, even more important is what I learn in Scripture. So, yes? I need to find an app for 
for the Bible that works like my Duolingo app. When I'm teaching myself Spanish, I'm Duolingo, and I have set a goal each day, and I've got a streak going, yeah. so I don't miss during the day because I don't want to lose my streak of learning huh. Spanish. So, so I have a Bible memory app, so every morning I do Bible memorization because it shows me like where I'm at, yeah, and yeah. so I'm doing well with that, yeah. but it doesn't, like, it's not as immediate reward as the Duolingo is, so let alone a Bible reading app. So like when you get done doing the Spanish thing, it gives like bells and whistles and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. So is that the reward? Or? That's the reward. Okay. You get jewel levels in it. Oh. <laughs> and, then, and then people that are following me give me a high five for getting a 120 day streak in a row or a three really? streak in a row. And so we kind of all congratulate each other. Yeah. It's an encouragement. Right. And I have yet to find a Bible app that will encourage me to read every day. Yeah, every. So I try to wake up relatively early in the morning to try to I don't know, get an hour, an hour and a half reading in before I go to work. And I absolutely hate my alarm clock. Um, and it just seems like it's the hardest thing in the world to get up in the morning. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just whining a little bit. So maybe we'll go on from there. So, all right. So a question he asks is, why would the spirit of wisdom and revelation help the Ephesians to know God better? Um, who's been at Sunday school? Who is at Sunday school this, this Sunday? <laughs> Raise your hands, because then I'm going to ask you this question. 
Why are you all scared? Very confident. Very confident. Yeah. Okay. Should drive home those scriptures a little better. Yeah. So, why would the spirit of wisdom and revelation help the Ephesians to know God better? And, and, and Joe hinted at it a little bit. Uh, but it's what we've been talking about in, I'm pretty sure it's in Sunday school. Part of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that's what I have the scripture written down. So does anybody want to say something or should I go to the scripture? Does anybody remember? So we'll just go to well, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Romans chapter one, and it's it's really verse eighteen, and I'll I'll read it to you. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So Paul is praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be revealed to them more because their unrighteousness or the unrighteousness of the world will suppress the truth within us and surrounding us. And so the truth is already suppressed and what he's asking for is that it would be opened up more. And you'll, you'll follow this train of thought through the rest of what Paul's asking. Okay? So what is it... Oh, Okay, so that question that I asked is why would the spirit of wisdom and revelation help the Ephesians to know God better? And then the next question that John Stott asked here is what does it mean to know God? Specific two phrase answer here that I'm looking for. But um, now, God is enormous in all He is, right? Um, and and we will never get to the end of Him or understanding Him completely. So now, let me let me rephrase that same thought there and ask: What does it mean to know your spouse? You bring them flowers. <laughs> if they like that, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But when we think about knowing our spouse, did that happen just by looking at each other? Did that happen by, I don't know, just these simple outings where you were with a bunch of other friends? But you guys know where I'm kind of going with this? Well, I'm not Right. It's no, it's you know, it's no different than developing a relationship with the kids. You're not gonna do that if you don't spend time with them. You know, to actually know what makes them tick, 
what makes, why they made this decision over this decision, what do they like, what do they don't like, all these sort of things. That's um, a perfect analogy, Cap, because you'll never ever understand the fullness of God and you'll never ever understand your spouse fully. Well, God created your spouse, so you know, so hey, maybe there's a little attribute of God seeping through there. So, um, so I want to take some time um, just so that, and, and I know. Maybe I'm biased, but I feel like we as a church really highlight the attributes of God. Um, we try to dig into the understanding of God um, really well. And so, um, a lot of you are going to know these verses, but let's... Does everybody have access to a Bible? Because I'd like to give each of you a verse. Um, Joe, can you do First John 1.5? Jake, can you do Numbers 23.19? Wyatt, do you have something? Okay, why can you do Psalms 18.30? Clint, can you do Psalms 50, verse 6? Matt, can you do Psalms 116, verse 5? Wesley, do you want to read one? Okay. What was mine? Psalms 116, verse 5. Wesley, do you want to do Deuteronomy 6.4? Okay. Derek, can you do Psalm 68, verses 19 through 20? I'll let you guys appear on that. Um, can you do... Oh, we got two different here. Micah 7, ver, verses 18 through 19. Um, and can you do 2 Samuel 22, verses 32 through 34? So 2 Samuel 22... Verses 32 through 34. Um, and then yours is Micah 7, 18 through 19. Sorry, I ran out. Sorry. So, Joe, when you got yours, uh, wait, can you do Jeremiah 9, verses 23 through 24? Sorry, I'm leaving you out. I got strawberries in my car for you, so don't worry. <laughs> All right, Joe. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Yeah. Jake. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Well, has forgotten his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Thank you. Clint. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Matt. You said 69, right? 116, verse 5. Right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Psalms 116, 116, verse oh, 5. I thought you were saying 116. Okay. Sorry. That's all right. Verse 5? Yep. Okay. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous our God is merciful. All right. Wesley. Was it Deuteronomy 2 4? 6 4. Okay. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Thank you. And then 
Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation. Selah. God is to us a God of deliverances, and to God the Lord belongs, escapes from death. All right. Ashley. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquities and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot, and he will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Mm. For who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and my power, and he makes my way perfect. Is that 32 through 34? Uh, 34. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he sets me on high places. Mm-hmm. And then the last so one. Jeremiah Yep, 23 through 24. Listen to the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Rich man boasts of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to go through a few verses about God, um, his attributes, his qualities, and and his infiniteness, if that's a word, infiniteness. I made that one out, but but that that's where you know when we talk about the power of prayer um, and Paul asking this, it you know it's Paul can pray all he wants, but it's who is his prayer directed towards that magnifies that prayer? And it's directed toward this God that that we just read about here. So all right, so. In biblical usage, the heart um, is the inward is the oh, sorry. In biblical usage, the heart is the whole inward self, comprising mind as well as emotion. What do you think it means to have the eyes of your heart enlightened? So that's in verse eighteen. So let me let me read that again. In biblical usage, the heart is the whole inward self comprising mind as well as emotion. So whenever it's referring to heart, it's not referring to this pumping organ that's in the center of your body, but your whole self, your being, okay? What do you think it means to have the eyes of your heart enlightened? Now, what analogy did Clint provide in Sunday school on this? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't, actually. <laughs> was it so, a train? What? Was it a train? No, 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 no. I don't know what I'm talking about. So what if you're in this, and I believe this is how it goes, this absolute beautiful room, just incredible room. Maybe we can say it is said to be the most beautiful room in the world, but it's all, it's dark in there and you can't see it. What is the purpose of the beautiful room? And I think that's what Paul's getting at here. Is that he, he realizes just how beautiful Christ is. Just how beautiful this gospel is. And so he's praying that, his, um, that this church, that their eyes would be enlightened so that they can see God better. So that they can know Him better. 
and, and get a great grasp of who he is. So, I, I just picture, like, you think uh, when they say the heart is, is stone and you need the heart of flesh, I just picture Jesus coming in with his chisel and he chops out a little chunk and it falls in and your heart just sees this light shining through. Yeah. And it's like, now the heart longs for the light that otherwise was blocked out by your stoniness. Right. So, trapped in bondage in, in the cave, and it can't get out. Right. So, all of a sudden, the will and the emotions want what before it didn't know was there. Right. Yeah. It just got to see it. You know, they, they got to have Christ, the Holy Spirit, work in them and do something. And, and, and then the greatest attraction we'll ever know is right there. So, the beautiful room that finally there's a little bit of light. So. The New King James says, the eyes of your understanding. Does it? Well, that's not as pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Same meaning. It doesn't fit your analogy very well. No, it doesn't. We'll just stick with this right here. So. <laughs> just picture Jesus coming with the chisel, with the chisel on your head. <laughs> Um, I should get some bonus points for remembering. Yeah, no, that's There's a good some, one. Yeah, so Except it's not mine. It's Augustine's. You got to remember that. Okay, that's right. Augustine. All right. Okay. So God's inheritance. So this is where He moves on to having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? So God's inheritance points to the end of our lives to that final inheritance of which the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. Based on what you know from the New Testament, describe this glorious inheritance. Can you repeat that question? Please? Yep. God's inheritance points to the end of our lives, to that final inheritance of which the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Based on what you know from the New Testament, describe this glorious inheritance. Yeah. Eternal life. Eternal life. Well, it would be eternal life. I mean, it'd be a life free from sin, death, pain, suffering, all of that sort of stuff. We would. See Jesus, um, God's glory would illumine, would be our light source. Uh, again, this is something that is really hard to fathom, and we will never understand it all. But God's given us bits and pieces here and there so that, just like that beautiful room, we can be attracted to it. Um, but still, it's, there's going to be far greater things than we could ever imagine there. So. so why is it so hard to think about that in like this present life? I, I find thinking of, of time with Christ later on, a lot of times my heart isn't even drawn to it. Why? Does anybody want to answer that? 
change for me was when my husband is kind of, you know, the other half of you is there. And it's not that I'm looking forward to seeing him there, it just has become more real. It just really changed things. And then I read a really, really great book by Randy Elmer um, on heaven. And, and, and it just made the, the scripture that I see as flat sometimes, just made it three-dimensional. Like, you're still you. And he knows that. And he's prepared things for you and your personality. I don't know, it just came alive for me. Otherwise, I could see where, okay, heaven, but it's really changed. It's really changed. But I think that's part of it, that, that this person that's kind of half of me is there. I don't know. No, I, I agree with you. And, you know, we could have discussions on what heaven's going to be like. And I've read Randy Alcorn's mm-hmm. heaven book. Because um, now, one thing I'll say, and again, this is, I can't prove this, but um, the, these. Uh, personalities with us, in us, or attitudes within us were supplied to us from God our Maker. Um, and so, like I know for myself, I have a really a strong, adventuresome spirit. Uh, I would like to go places and not have very much stuff with me um, and just see if, if we get lost, or, you know, or whatever. And um, But anyways, uh, what Randy Alcorn talks about in that book is um, he, he doesn't think that the whole universe um, being here, being created by God, is a mistake and is untouchable. Um, it's just that in our current state, we have reduced mind capabilities to be able to figure out how to get everywhere. Um, <clears throat> but he said is that one of the possible jobs or whatever we have in, in heaven and on this new earth is that Jesus would command us to go and discover this planet that created. And then we'd go there and we'd discover it for the glory of Jesus, for the glory of God. You know, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's necessarily correct. But I'm just saying um, we can have no idea um, what is going on up there. You know, or besides what God has revealed within Scripture. Um, but it's going to be far greater than what our minds can actually handle right now. Um, and then I think for your question is that most of the time it's our flesh our side of us are that suppressing our mind from going berserk from knowing heaven better and knowing Christ better. You know, it, it's, it's suppressed. Um, and we, we won't be glorified until that day, you know, when, we, when we're finally dead and we're with Him. And then we'll start to understand completely what the crucifixion was. We still got dull hearts on that, um, how Christ saved us and redeemed us. I mean, we're dull people. I'm a dull person. It's it just... I can read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and yawn non-stop. You know, and... It, it's, it's really disappointing. So. Yeah, so... To me, it's like... I, as I answer that question for myself, it's like, man, why am I... I can find so much pleasure in something that is going to be burned up with the fire... And, and that everlasting joy that I know is there. And I get glimpses of it. Every now and then I'll be reading scripture. Or I'll be reading a, a really good Christian book. And it's like, this is eternity. Mm-hmm. And this is just a portion of what I'll experience there. And it's like, I'm supercharged for a day. 
and then it's gone. Yeah. And boy, it is hard to live in that. Right. And so I find myself seeking for that because then it's like the Christian life is, man, bring on the lions. Let's do this. Right. But anyway, that is. Yeah. Thank you. Joe. I love, I think space is the closest example that we can explore that's infinite, infinite right? Bible tells us God is infinite, and is, from our perspective, space is infinite. Mm-hmm. The further we can look, the more we know we're not close, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the on myself, running through my mind all the time. With the infinite universe and the glories therein, you look in the Revelation, they can't get over the cross. They can't get over the Lamb that was slain. Like there is so much more glory to be had in the gospel that. Uh, they, they just don't get old. It's just, it's, it's not something that, every time I've had a great, remember having dot ice cream as a kid, right? And I thought that banana split dot ice cream was the most glorious thing I'd ever eat. And I'd give it about once a year, and it was like, that's it. For a while, we had it at a gas station in Watertown. I had enough, but I got over it. You know, it's just mind blowing that we'll never get over the glory of the Lamb that was slain. There'll never be a day in heaven where we don't want to sing about it, where we're not, where we're so overwhelmed that we don't want to throw down whatever crown or reward we have. Like it's a that's one. It's kind of fun being a little, trying to be like a little kid, Mister Chet. Let your mind wander in that. But that was one of the elements of it that just always stuck with me was I think a million years from now it's still going to be what's most overwhelming is the cross. Mm-hmm. But. You know, why are kids overwhelmed? Because they're learning. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do. It's so deep, we never stop learning. Right? Yeah. And that's if, it, if God wasn't infinite, we could figure it out, and then eventually it'd be boring. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Every day will be an exploration of Jesus Christ, and we'll never get tired of it. So, yeah. All right. So describe God's un- incomparable... Incomparably great power, according to verses 19 through 22. 1922 of what? So describe God's incomparably great power. Oh, Ephesians 1, 19 through 22. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Place him far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, 
So he placed him over all of that after he raised him from the dead um, and then made his name above every name that is named in all ages. So he's got pretty awesome power. Infinite. <laughs> right. right. So, why is the resurrection and ascension such a vivid demonstration of divine power? Why is the resurrection and ascension that we were just talking about here such a vivid demonstration of divine power? So what does that what does that mean for us? It's what we need. Oh. So so we have hope, right? All the hope in the world, because he's the one and only true God that can do that. So we have hope. So he gives us hope against death. He gives us hope against sin. He gives us hope in everything. So. What would it look like to see that power at work in the church today? Well, I think we do see it. Yeah. We wouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I'd like to see it more. I like the Luther's comment on this because, you know, we, with the Reformation, everybody's like, oh, I got to quit everything I'm doing. He's like, no, shoemaker, you, you go make your shoes for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so whatever aspect we're working in, that hope should just permeate it. Right. And through that, we, in a sense, the, the church should take over the world. <laughs> yeah. So... Right. So how would it affect relationships within the body of Christ? I think it's Paul Washer maybe that talks about how um, he, he has to fly everywhere to give these awesome sermons, you know, and so when he's on these planes, he can be talking to a complete stranger, but he'll soon find out what this guy or gal believes, and he said he knows every single time by the end of that plane ride, whether that is a follower of Christ or not, he said, they can be completely different than me, but yet we have such joy over each other if they are a follower of Christ. And we have so much to talk about, too. I think that's a lot of it there. Is it Paul Tripp? Well, maybe it's all of them. They're probably all, yeah, of, them. all of them. They probably figured that out. But yeah, I, when I went to Indonesia for a couple times and did some missionary work over there, you know, those those missionaries that or our interpreters or translators. Um, 
they were all kept, like missionaries. Um, but oh, we had so much fun with them. But they were completely different than us, you know. But it was our bond with Christ, um, that fellowship between us, that just. super close, even after just being with each other for a month. I mean, it was just crazy. But that's what I think about, you know, within churches and America struggles with this because um, we tend to uh, within churches kind of fight over like carpet, you know, and paint colors, so you know, that, no, I did. We just we just evangelized. It worked. So, you know, the the, the biggest disagreement was what what is was I gonna have kopi with susu or just kopi? And I mean, it's just coffee with milk or coffee, you know. And so that was the biggest disagreement we had. But that was it, you know. And it was just a joke. But yeah, but that's the hope that we can have that even in in American churches. Um, we can get past those little disagreements or they're, they're nothing because of this incomparably great power that Christ has done within each one of us. And we can look towards Him. Okay. So. Can I tell us a real quick story? Absolutely. I like stories. You don't have quick stories. <laughs> Relatively short for Joe. Um, <laughs> So this weekend and then today, my daughter Clara ran up to complete strangers, like her age-ish, right? One at a park on Friday, and then today, across the street, yelling across the street, saw a girl and went, hi! She, and she looked like fun. She starts talking to her across the street, and she goes, are you a Christian? And the girl says, yeah! Me too! <laughs> yeah, she's Christian. Can I go play with her? And they, they played for like 10 minutes, right? And she came back and. What was that girl's name? I don't know, idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. I, it just got such a. Like, how many times have I been a kind of casual contact with a person? And I haven't even known for a spend a tournament again. You know, and that little girl, <laughs> she doesn't, I mean, she didn't know any better. She's pretty, well, she's a little kid, but <laughs> I, I just got such a kick out of that. Just felt a little rebuke of, yeah. hey, why not just figure out where people are at, right. you know? And make them feel uncomfortable while you're at it, so... <laughs> Everything's okay with your kid. That's right. That's right. All right. So this is his summary paragraph. So the thrust of Paul's prayer is that his readers may have a thorough knowledge of God's call, inheritance, and power, especially the latter, the power. But how do Christians grow in understanding? Some will reply that, that knowledge depends on the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. And they are right, at least in part. For Paul prays that the spirit of wisdom and revelation may increase their knowledge of God and enlighten the eyes of the, their hearts. We have no liberty to infer from this, however, that our responsibility is solely to prayer and to wait for illumination and not at all to think. Others make the opposite mistake. They use their minds and think 
but leave little room for the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul brings the two together. First, he prays that the eyes of his readers' hearts may be enlightened to know God's power. Then he teaches that God has already supplied historical evidence of his power by raising and exalting Jesus. It is precisely as we use our as we use our minds to ponder what God has done in Christ, that the Spirit will open our eyes to grasp its implications. So what difference would it make in your life if your eyes were more open to the hope of God's call? Wait for that special person coming in my life. Who's the special person? Okay. It's not good. Okay. All right. Well, I, just, I just wondered. So. Yep. Yeah, so you're open to God's call because you're going to be patient and wait, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So what about you guys? What difference would it make in your life if your eyes were more open to the hope of God's call? And I think we talked about it. The room would get a little more beautiful, right? Be a bigger hole. Yeah. <laughs> be a bigger hole to see through. Yeah. yeah. You'd be more content. Ooh, that's it. Yeah. More content. And, yeah. I think there's all the power that you Yeah, I, I, one thing for me, it would, it would push out sin um, as that room would become more beautiful. So, and I'd be drawn to him and less drawn to the world. So, this last question's pretty simple, and maybe we kind of covered it a little bit. Um, the church is central to God's plan. So what role does the church play in your life? I'm kind of doing that right now, but you guys can answer that. What do you ask? What role does the church play in your life? Well, no, I, I get what he's saying. You guys are my most real access to the presence of God. Where it's, you know, I come here, I get welcomed. I feel like God still loves me. Yeah. You guys are happy to see me. I can feel God's love, but He's still happy that I see Him. You know, it's uh, it's my access the presence and love of God is through his word, yes, but uh, through the Holy Spirit in this body that realistically I wouldn't survive the last year. Yeah, thanks, Joe. 
So where the church is working and active and real, it's um, it should be pretty powerful in our lives. And the impact is happening. Um, I always, know, oh, for me, so. I've always found that when I'm active in the church, um, or the church is active in my life, uh, I grow. And I, I, I remember there was a time, right, when Kayla and I got married, and we just kind of stepped away from programs for a while and some of the things that the church was doing. And it's like we almost stopped growing. It was interesting how that, we were like, wait a second, this isn't right. Let's go, let's get involved. <laughs> so, uh, anywhere I've been, wherever um, the church, where God's people are, there's growth. In knowing who God is. Right. Yeah, like Joe was saying. Any last thoughts?